Jesus' blood and righteousness And I dare not trust the sweetest frame But only lean on Jesus' name Good morning, everyone. We want you to stand. We're going to uh, welcome, number one, welcome to Haven Community Church. We're going to uh, worship the Lord today. You can see we're down a drummer. 
um, and, and a lot of other things. Uh, we want prayers for Justin. Justin's had a bout with pneumonia and has been in the hospital with that. Um, we're just praying for his, his healing and everything else there. And anybody knows Justin knows Justin doesn't like to be down for long at all. And, um, and we definitely miss him here today. So we're going to um, just continue to worship the Lord and keep Justin in our prayers. All right? Let's worship him. Every 
Lord God, I just pray that you'll speak to us here today in um, beyond the music, beyond the noise in our lives, beyond everything, that God, you'll just speak to us in this moment. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. of Mindfield. Um, I think it's week three. All right, I have some, we're going to go to our Lord in prayer at this time. We have a couple uh, prayer requests that are here. And so I want to lift uh, those up to you. We want to lift up uh, Lucio um, in prayers. He goes for a defibrillator on 519. Um, also, Karen Verde asks uh, for prayers for Nathan Klein. who's having problems with his leg and it looks like they may have to amputate from the knee down. Um, also, Jen Arrow's mom, Jane, will be having um, back surgery, and so we want to lift her in your prayers. Holly Kipp asked for, um, for prayers for a friend's help, and Holly has started her uh, full-time job, and she's loving it there, right? So we're thrilled for that answer to prayer. Um, also, uh, uh, Terry Hollis asked for prayers for Nancy Sprout for healing after heart surgery. Um, and let's see, um, Heather Walters asked for prayers for the Lyons family. MJ seeking treatment in Arizona for stage four renal cancer and praying for healing um, and fundraising for that payment. Uh, a couple other things. Um, again, Lou is coming home from rehab this week. Also, Karen um, Verde also had an injury at work. I mean, has had some bad headaches, but she's, um, she's popping in with, working with the kids, so she's doing great today, so we thank God for that. Uh, Joanna, uh, praise God for eye surgery. She's good. She gets a good look at you now, Ron, so I don't know. Is that good? That's a good thing. Uh, <clears throat> and um, so Kathy and Lauren Shea for healing. Um, and <clears throat> thanking the, the team. I know uh, there was a team that yesterday um, worked on uh, building a ramp, and so we're, uh, we're thrilled for everyone doing that. And the other thing is uh, Dot Logan. 95 years young, Dot went into the hospital, um, and uh, they, they were planning on sending her home, and she told him, I won't be here on Monday, and, um, and she waited till Tuesday morning, uh, but Dot went home to be with the Lord, and she has been excited over the last year, really excited to get out of this place and go be with the Lord. She told her family several times, if this new normal is the thing that we're going to do, I'm ready to go already. Um, and anybody you know Dot know, know that um, when you hear grass didn't grow under her feet, one of the reasons is because she mowed it down every time it was. Um, and Dot was a character. And um, 
you know, I was just thinking about some of the people like her and Margie and Gary and others that we've lost that were formative in the early years of our church, and um, we thank God for them, and we know that they're having a big celebration up there in heaven, and there's probably a, a field, I guess it leads us to green pastures, they're going to grow grass, God's going to cut it, it's going to be awesome, um, but we had her surgery, I mean her surgery, her, uh, her service yesterday, and um, I know everything was very, very quickly, but um, uh, everything went very well. And, uh, of course, a lot of people don't know what to do anymore, but now uh, services are starting to get, to get back. But uh, Dot Logan, what, a, what an amazing lady. Um, I still remember having our, a, a small group study at her and Margie, she and Margie's, at Margie's house. And she and Dot were up probably about 4 or 5 in the morning. And they prepared some of the most awesome food for, like, six people. But it was, uh, it was enough for 85 people, and it was awesome. Um, and so I was so thankful to be in that small group at the time. But anyway, um, so uh, there's some of our prayers that we have. If you have another prayer request, by all means, feel free to go ahead uh, to havencc.org. Go ahead and put that on there. Or if you're on Facebook Live, put that down there. We'll make sure that it gets to everyone else, all right? So let's go to uh, the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you today right now thanking you for the many blessings that you give to us. And God, how you, um, how so many times uh, we just... Um, forget to be thankful for so many things. I thank you for your hand being on Lou and, and on Karen and also uh, Nathan Klein, for Jen's uh, mother, Jane, um, for uh, Joanna, for successful eye surgery and um, for healing for Kathy and Lauren, um, for those who give their time to go ahead and, and, uh, and dedicate that time to work and make a, di- a difference in the lives of people in our community. Uh, and also for MJ uh, and the Lyons family, for Nancy uh, Sprout, um, for healing after her surgery, um, and just for other friends' house. Also, I want to add um, Doug and Kitty Sprout, as Doug passed on this week um, after a bout with cancer, and they were just such really great people. And so, God, uh, and for Dot Logan's life, just what an amazing lady. And for all other prayers that we have, I thank you that you have brought us here today, God, to worship, that we have that freedom, where a year, late, uh, a year previous, we were not here. We were um, maybe one or two people were here, but most of us were locked away. And, um, and so, God, I just want to thank you for those, uh, the things that seem slow, but just the steps that you're making in our lives to, uh, to bring your kingdom here on earth. And for that, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a couple other questions. Uh, Prayer requests, we, I mean, excuse me, announcements that we do have. I want to touch on a couple things. Um, Sunday school, obviously, you know it's open. Go ahead and continue to um, register for that for youth group. Continue to, uh, to go ahead and register for next Sunday. Um, tomorrow, our Stephen ministers are still really available and always willing to help out. Um, we have a global youth service day on uh, Sunday, May uh, second and Havens Youth will be participating in Global Youth uh, Service Sunday. And they'll be picking up trash at Northeast Park. Lunch will be provided and it'll happen right after church. So they'll go from 1.30. Um, and then parents are also welcome to come and join. Uh, Compassion Sunday, I remember we, we talked about that and showed a video last week. So that is um, today. I'm taking up a special offering. Um, I guess we'll have those at the doors, correct? Um, so if you want to go ahead and also give to help support the uh, children from poverty around the world, you can do that as, as well. Um, Elkton Community Kitchen, we again need some volunteers um, for the Community Kitchen on the 7th. Uh, and so if you're interested in helping with that, please uh, go ahead and do so. And it'll be from 10.30 to 1 p.m. Um, and then National Day of Prayer. National Day of Prayer is celebrating 70 years of prayer for America. And um, we'll be hosting an evening of prayer 
uh, May uh, 6th at 6.30. This year's theme is, uh, Lord, pour out your love, life, and liberty, based on 2 Corinthians um, 3.17, which is now the Spirit of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Um, and so they'll be gathering for praying for America, our community, and each other. Um, we have some cards from our, our day, our uh, our uh, weeks of prayer that we've had before, we do have the cards that say pray first. And Don, I believe they're up front. Is that correct? And if you want to, you can have those so that people can pray, by, pray for you by name. Um, as, um, that's kind of how the service is going to be. It's going to be a service of prayer. And so we'd love for you to connect into that. Okay, so mark on your calendars for the 6th of May. We are talking about May already, aren't we? Isn't that crazy? So we, it'll be here really soon. All right, everyone else uh, Good. Okay, so um, weather seems better, except for that snow on the middle of the week, which was very odd in April, but hey, we just go with it now. We don't care. It's, we're just used to whatever, right, aren't we? Um, that's just how, we, that what? Yeah, it is, yeah, and more than, more than uh, just weather ways, but anyway. All right, so we are on week three of our series, um, Mindfield, where I am messing with your mind, actually God is. And so um, we're looking at that. We've been going through several different things over the weeks. And so I want to start with a question today, okay? I want to start with a question. How many of you are in the middle of a pretty decent life for the most part, but you also find yourself complaining a lot? All right, I got more reaction for the complaining a lot right there, didn't I? Um, why, you ever wonder why that is? You ever just kind of wonder, what, what in the world? Why are we doing this? Um, like, for most of the time, our lives can, you know, for the most of the time can be pretty special, and our minds can drift to things that we don't like or the things that we want to complain about or the things that just irritate us. And, and why do we do that in, in our minds? You ever just wonder why we do that? The bottom line is our mind is a battlefield and most of life battles are won and lost in the mind. That's why we've been talking about this in this whole series. And uh, basically, like, and hopefully, uh, again, um, can you put up the bulletin? I forgot to put that up there, the QR code and, and address that. I'm sure you did. But um, if you want the bulletin, go ahead. You can um, take out your smartphones and go ahead and hit that. But um, our mind is a battlefield, and we have so many different aspects uh, of our lives that result because of the, the thoughts that we think. So in other words, um, the life that you have is often a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Okay, and we talked about that, that we, our lives are, are geared or move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That's just part of um, how life is a lot of times, and that's where we end up. Our, our verse uh, today from Scripture is the one we used the first week, and I wanted to use it again, and I really, because I think it's a good verse to unpack, and so that's where we're going to start. So if we look here, it says this from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's take a look. For, uh, you should be used to this one now. For though we live in a world... We do not wage war, so we're in a war, that means we're in a battle, correct? We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, we, for the last couple of weeks, we talked about strongholds and how that is a, was a military thing where inside the city you would have an even more fortified area that had the most important people in the city. Um, it was surrounded by military. It often would have uh, major political prisoners there, but it was, a, it, it was exactly what it sounds. It was a stronghold. If you got into the city, you still had problems getting in 
to that area. And so, um, and really for us, when we talk about a stronghold mentally, it is just a wrong pattern of thinking. And many of us are held hostage by those strongholds, those wrong patterns that we believe. And so here's what it says. It continues and it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, here we go, take captive every thought and make it obedient to uh, Christ. So basically what we're seeing is we are not a prisoner to our thoughts, as we, we said. And, um, and one of the things that, I, that I've loved is in, this, in the study of this, um, a, a verse of scripture that I've read several times is that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the thing is, I always thought that, okay, you come to Christ and then he transforms your mind. That's not how it works. The transformation, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are the ones who reach out and begin to have that ability. Now, Christ makes it happen through his word and by putting truth in our minds rather than the other stuff we believe. But the act of transformation comes from us as well, like in everything else, okay? If I want to get healthier, I have to have a transformation that occurs in my body. But before that happens, where does it have to occur? Right here in my mind, okay? So everything that we do occurs in our minds. And so we're going to take those thoughts captive. And that's kind of where we've been so far. So today, the theme of the, the message today is called Conquering Those Thoughts. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the power of the mind as God has created the mind and how the mind is incredibly powerful. We talked about how it's incredibly complex. Remember, we've been talking about neural pathways. And neural pathways are those things that we think of it's, e- it's easier, easier for us to keep going down that neural pathway, just like it is through our grass. We go ahead and we go through a path several times. It is going to wear down a path. Anybody ever been a path in the woods? Okay, and you keep going down that path, keep going down that path, keep going down that path, and the only way it, it grows over is if you stop going down that path. Okay, and so many of us are going down a path that is a wrong, it's, it's as um, someone used to say, stinking thinking. Right? We have stinking thinking and we head down that path rather than um, embracing the truth of God in our life to be a, a better pathway. So the more often we think about something, the easier the path is. And today I want to expand a little bit more on that idea. And I want to introduce to you another uh, term. You're like, oh my gosh, this is like psychology class. Yeah, isn't it fun? Um, but I want to go ahead and, um, and give you another term. And we're going to talk about something called cognitive bias. A cognitive bias, you, and you can use this later and people think you're vastly intelligent. Um, but cognitive bias, and here's what we see when we look at cognitive bias. So what is it? What is it? It's basically a mental filter, okay, a mental filter. And it is a, basically a mistake in reasoning based on personal experience or preference, or it's a mistake in reasoning based on what we've experienced or what we prefer. So it is kind of like a mental filter or a mental framework in your life. So if you grew up and had something really bad happen to you, a lot of times that framework or that filter that you live with, every situation you have is in the guise of that filter. Everybody with me? Okay, just hang in here. We're going to unpack it more. So an example may be like this. Um, there may, may be many of you who grew up in a, um, with very abusive, a very abusive person in a position of authority whether mentally, physically, sexually, whatever. Somebody was in a position of, of authority and they were very, very abusive, whatever way you want to look at that. And because you were hurt and, and in that abusive situation, now all people in that area or in a position of authority 
you lump into being, they are eventually going to be hurtful or abusive in some way. Okay, everybody understand what I'm what I'm what I'm saying here. And um, so, what you endured created a filter for your life, and it shapes how you look at authority figures or others. Um, and so, because of what happens to you, you make a sweeping generalization and an inaccurate statement about all things based off of one person. And I hear this all the time in church. Oh, I don't want to go to church because when I went, there was this pastor who said, boom. There was a Sunday school teacher who did. And so everybody is now in that frame. Everybody with me? Okay. Check the pulse of the person next to you. Okay. We're going to make sure. So that's, that's where we are. So what we have to do, if you change the filter, it changes the way you feel and think. And so... Here's an example I just want to share with you. If you're posting a photo that's not very good, but you change the filter, anybody ever used a filter on social media? All right, it changes the way it's viewed. So let me show you this picture of me up here. Um, there you go. There's a picture of me. All right, just chilling out. So it's an all right picture, right? My hair's a little messy, and I'm just kind of tired. But anyway, but look what happens when I change the filter. Right? It changes the way you view that picture. Okay, good, bad, or indifferent. The filter changes your approach to what's going on there. I mean, I, I like, I, my, my kids always say, oh, you always use that Snapchat black and white filter. It makes me look better. I like it, all right? Um, so, but that's what we do. It's, it's the same, it's, it is the same as with a photo as it is with our lives. If we are coming with a filter there before in a cognitive bias, there is a default filter. And so our brain is pre-wired to think a certain way in certain situations, to interpret a situation, even if our interpretation is completely accurate or inaccurate, we are programmed that way. That's why two different people can respond two totally different ways to the exact same situation. It's not the facts, it's the filter. <coughs> excuse me, it's the filter. So for instance, <coughs> excuse me, at work, and a supervisor may go and give the exact same feedback to two different people. And so they go to this one person. And the person one gets extremely offended and says, why are you telling me that? Don't you know how valuable I am? I don't even like you anyway. Who do you think you are giving me that feedback? You don't know how much I bring to this company. Ah, you guys always just hate me. Okay, that's one approach. He, can have, uh, he or she can have a, a, an approach, a supervisor can approach another person with the same exact feedback, and that person with a different filter can say this. Thank you for sharing that. That was really helpful. You know, it allowed me to do a better job because I really care about doing my job, and I appreciate the fact that you valued me enough to tell me that so I can do better. Thank you for that feedback. Correct? Same message two different filters. And you guys have seen that in your own lives. And why is it? Because it's not the facts, it's the what? The filter. It's always the filter. Two people in church can walk in together. One can say, man, all Christians are hypocrites. I hate the music. This place is stupid. I never want to come back. There have been people who have been here and done that. Okay? Other people say, wow, the people here are so nice and amazing. Um, they're so loving. I love the music. Maybe I'm here because God wants me to. Two different people coming in the same place at the same time and completely different reactions. Why? Because not the facts, but the 
filter. It is always the filter. So, for example, we see this in everyday life. Shall I say vaccine? One source is convinced that the vaccine is the answer to the problem that we've had for a year. Or different sources may say that you can be convinced it's the most dangerous thing that will kill you and it probably has a chip to track you. I know I'm getting close, okay? And it's dangerous territory, but just work with me. I know your side is right regardless of where you are. It is. That's not what we're getting into. But it's not the facts because there's a lot of them out there. It is the what? The filter. There we go. You know how many questions I've asked about the vaccine number that Bill Gates had or whatever number that it ends in 666? You know how many times I have answered that question? More than I care to answer. I don't know. Do I look like Jesus? No. I mean, but the bottom line is, okay, this is where we are. It's not the facts because the facts are different depending on what source you're looking at is the filter that you decide where your facts come from. And we have examples of this throughout Scripture. Probably one of the best one and the most powerful one I love comes from the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, chapters 13 and 14. The Israelites are roaming through the desert and they're wandering around. And they finally get to the point where they can go into the promised land. And Moses sends um, 12 spies in to explore the land. 12 of them went out and saw the exact same thing. And the reports were completely different. It wasn't that the facts were different. It wasn't that they interviewed some giants that they saw there. It wasn't that they were in the, 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 the bad area of, of, the, of there. They saw the same thing, but it was the filter. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, Oh my gosh, it is beautiful, it's amazing, it's perfect. God has given us this land, let's go. Ten of them, and I find that is amazing that ten of them, went in and had a different filter. They said, this is dangerous. The land devours people, which I find very funny. Uh, The land devours people. There's giants there, and we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, I I swear to you, nobody went up and interviewed one of these large people, or the ground didn't open up while they were sitting there and going, you know, it didn't happen. Um, What happened is their filter changed the perception of how they felt about what God had given them, and they felt like small in everyone else's eyes. It wasn't the facts, it was the filter. It's not just the filter that matters, but it is also the frame, okay? It's also the frame. And so what I want to share here is, um, and that's our, that's our second thing here. Uh, we're going to talk about reframing, reframing, a tool called reframing. Um, and so, so basically, you can see the very same situation, but it's how you frame something that determines how you see it. And so uh, this is called reframing. So what does it mean to reframe a a relationship or a situation? Well, reframing is this, and here's the definition for reframing. It is creating a different way of looking at a situation or a relationship by changing its meaning. It's creating a different way of interpreting or looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning, as we have right here. So for instance, you wake up. And you're determined ahead of time, this is going to be a bad day. And you can frame your day like this. You can say, this is going to be a hard day. 
I've got too much to do today. I work with these people that drive me crazy all day. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so tired. Life is hard. Life is bad. Oh, my gosh, what am I doing? My husband is driving me crazy. Why do we have all these kids? I'm, I'm sick of my stupid car. I hate the people I work with. I hate my job. I just hate life. That is one frame. The next frame is you can take the exact same situation and you can say, this way, you wake up and you say, okay, I've got a lot going on today, but I'm so thankful that God is with me. I'm thankful that he's for me. I'm thankful that he's given me a job. I'm thankful that my old clunker car that I can't stand gets me to my job. Um, I'm even thankful for some of those, crazy, those people who drive me crazy at work. Um, I'm thankful for those kids who drive me crazy at home. I'm, I'm actually thankful for everybody in my life because, you know, they just make my life that much more... Um, um, Exciting. There we go. That's a word. Um, I believe today is going to be a good day, and we're going to grind it out, and we're going to, as uh, Larry the Cable Guy said, get her done. All right? It's not the facts. It's how you frame it. It's how you frame it. Let me show you an example here. Let me move this out of the way. I have a picture here, and I'll move this up a little bit so you can see. Um, so if we, if we look about how we look at something and we frame it, and... Um, and so there, that's the picture up there if you can't see it. So if you look here like this, if I start with a frame and I go, it is going to be a horrible day. It is going to be the worst day. Uh, and all that kind of stuff we shared. I'm gonna, I, I can't stand what's going on. I, I'm, I, I don't want to deal with those people. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do that. It's dead end, et cetera, et cetera. I've got to wear a mask all day. It's just miserable, miserable. Or we can frame it like this. Let's just put that one in there. Wow, it's another day God's given me. It's another day I can make an impact. Wherever I am, I'm going to make a difference. Or you may like this a little bit better. Who knows? But it's where you frame it is how your mind conceives it. If I said, what do you think of this picture? Right here, you'd say, eh. But if we get into this kind of stuff, you're like, wow, that's kind of cool. Right? Wherever you want to be. So that's what I'm saying. When we talk about reframing, this is what we're going to do. And one of the things is, and this is one of my fears, is that so many people that start to even frame God and say, God, I don't, I don't know what's going on, God. You know, and, and rather than looking for the goodness of God in the day, it's not just the facts that are different. It's the filter or the frame. And what we do know about what goes on in life based off our previous experience. That's how we often frame where we're headed. Because ultimately, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And I'm going to say that again because I believe that's really important. It's up here. You cannot control what happens to you. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen to you this week, and it's not going to be so enjoyable. Glad you came to church, correct? And you can't do anything about some of that stuff. Somebody is going to cut you off on the road. And you are going to rage, okay? Um, you're, somebody's going to tick you off at work. Somebody at home's not going to do something. You're going to have all kinds of things that are just going to send you off. Okay, you're going to wake up and just not feel well. And guess what? You can do nothing about that. The only thing you can do is how you frame it and the filter you take it from there. So that's, so I, I want you to kind of, I want to kind of slow down a little bit here, and I want you to think about your life right now, okay? Think about the expectations that you have in your mind, and I wonder how many of us, and how many of us wanted something in life, but right now you feel you're experiencing exactly the opposite. 
And just, just think about where you are right now. Like you wanted something different, but you're just experiencing the complete opposite of what you thought, where you thought you would be. Remember, I remember when we graduated high school, they had a senior book, and you would put in the back where you're going to be in 10 years and 20 years. Anybody ever go back and look at that? Boy, you were idealistic, weren't we? We were really idealistic about everything. And, and so, so kind of think of it that way. So you thought at, that you'd be in a different place in life right now, or you'd have this thing or that thing, and you would have accomplished something here. You would have this relationship or that relationship. And you really, really, really wanted something, but instead of achieving or accomplishing or having or being where you wanted, instead you may have just the opposite. So some people may have said, hey, I wanted to ha have a, a great marriage, and that's what you wanted. You prepared for it. You prayed for it. You worked toward it. You married your sweetheart from high school, and then years later, you ended up not being where you wanted to be, brokenhearted, divorced, frustrated, whatever you may be. Or maybe you went to college, and you studied, and you got a degree, prepared to do something that would be meaningful, and now instead of being in a job that you love, you're in an unrelated job, and it seems like it's beneath where you were. It's nothing what you thought it would be, and you're just like, what? What the heck? How did I get here? Or maybe you, wanted, you thought you'd never be in debt, and maybe you thought you'd be able to travel and make a difference or start your own business or leading in a business area or that your kids would be better off or what have you. And you find yourself saying, why am I not where I wanted to be? And you're confused by it. If you ever wake up and think that, I'm going to tell you you're in good company because the Apostle Paul understands what he wanted and it being exactly the opposite of what he thought. You see, one of the things that we know about the Apostle Paul, he truly had a heart for God. He completely dedicated his entire life to God after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And in this, what we know from Paul is Paul was really one of the main people responsible for going into all the, the known world at the time and spreading the church by planting churches all around. But the one place that he really, really wanted to go was Rome. He knew as a Roman citizen, if he got to Rome, that the gospel would spread all over the world because that was the main part. And as a Roman citizen, he was excited. He was excited about going to Rome to do exactly like he did in Corinth and uh, Ephesus and other areas to spread the gospel and to, and to have that, that go ahead. And so, but instead of going to Rome preaching, Paul went to Rome as a prisoner. And you, that was something that you did not want to go to Rome as, a prisoner. But he was waiting trial, facing execution, possible execution, which ended up happening. He was locked up on house arrest, and everything that he had hoped for was exactly the opposite. Instead of being a, a preacher out and around Rome, he was a prisoner locked up inside, chained every eight hours to a new Roman soldiers, Roman guards next to him in house arrest. Now, Paul could have framed the situation in different ways. And here he is. He, let's, let's take that Paul is going to frame it this way. All right? He's going to frame the situation this way. All right? And I'm going to share with you this, this version from Philippians chapter 1, uh, 12 through 13 in the NWV, the new Winers version. All right? And here's what he says. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this is not a real version. Okay? I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting my small group and I'm never going back to church. 
right? That's, that's what he, he frame, you can frame it at. Okay, and I've met many people over the years that when life, that, they, that we, we often think that in our society that when we follow Christ, life just gets, you know, skipping through the daisies. And so if that's our frame and that's why we follow Jesus, guess what? When life throws some stuff at us, we don't know how to deal with it and we just say, enough. Okay, I'm done. Or we could have the real version of how he did it when he frames it a different way. Okay, he frames it a different way. And here's what he says. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone that I am in chains for Christ. I'm going to stop here for a second and look at this. So what he's saying is, even though it looks like I'm in bad shape, even though that's what it looks like, I'm sure people said, did you hear? Paul got arrested. He's in, he's in the Roman prison. They've got him on house arrest waiting trial. Okay, looks bleak, doesn't it? But what does he do? Then he goes, um, we look more. When he reframes it, it's, he says, it's clear, though, that I am in chains for Christ. Notice the reframing of his situation. The situation and facts didn't change. It was his filter or frame. And so what is happening? He says, I'm locked up to a Roman guard eight hours a day. Every eight hours, there was a new person that came in, or new people. Most people believe that he was chained on both sides. That's two Roman guards that are there with him for eight hours a day. You talk about a captive audience. They can't get away from his preaching. He says, and it has become clear to the whole palace guard. The first day they're like, oh my gosh, this Paul guy. And he's like, hey, welcome back. Let me tell you more about Jesus. And he's like, oh my gosh. And they couldn't say, I'm calling in sick. No, I'm sorry, nobody. Going, the whole palace guard and everyone else says he's in chains for Christ. That is the difference of what framing does. Paul reframed the situation. Who do you think is the real prisoner here? Those people who were chained to Paul, the whole palace guard and everybody there, they're like, can we hurry up and get this guy a trial and get him out of here? Because he told them why he was there. And he says, this, what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And then look at this verse. It's an awesome verse in 14. He says this. Chapter 14, and because of my chains, which people are looking at here, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, that wasn't how Paul looked at it when he was going in the first place. He had a different idea. And if he stuck with that filter, he could have just sat there and complained and griped and said, my gosh, Lord, I, I, I came here to serve you. I can't do anything. But instead he said, oh, look at these chains. Oh, how you doing? Good, good to see you, Spartacus. Um, go ahead and sit here. You are now attached to me. Woohoo! And then because of that, they believed and they spoke with strength and not fear, and it gave the church not this view, but gave them this view, all right? Because Paul reframed the situation. The situation, the facts did not change. It was the filter and the frame that existed there. It, Paul says it looks bad, but because of my chains, the gospel is being proclaimed. It is how we frame it. So today, how do you frame your stories and your relationships? Right now, many of you have got a battle going on in your mind. Your life has complications. And guess what? Everybody here has stuff. 
Everybody here has got some stuff. You have stuff that's in your family. It's stuff with your kids. It's stuff with your neighbors. It's stuff with the people you work with. It's stuff, stuff, stuff. It's bad doctor report stuff. It's bad behavior type stuff. It's legal stuff. It's fighting with your significant other stuff. It's financial problem stuff. It's fear stuff. It's bad news on the news stuff. It's bad news in the family stuff. It's bad news in your extended family stuff. It's stuff, 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 stuff. We've all got it. Even though so much of life is pretty decent, it's the small part in the stuff that tends to take control of our frame. And that's where we end up. So today, we're going to talk uh, the remainder of the time about reframing your story and relationships. I'm going to give you three specific tools to help renew us in our minds and win the war of our minds so that God can change our stinking thinking to what can change your life. All right, you ready? Okay, trade tables up, seats in up, right, lock position. Let's go. Let's take off. Here we go. All right, so um, I'm going to share with you something about this. The first thing is we need to thank God for what did not happen. Let's stop and thank God for what did not happen. Now, I'm going to tell you a story of a 20-year-old girl. She went to her mom and dad, and she said, I've got really bad news to tell you. I need you to sit down. Nothing's good that happens there. She said, let me tell you the whole story. I just want you to stay calm until I'm done, but it's really bad news. I went to a bar, and I met a guy, and we drank too much. And he came back to my apartment, and we hooked up and I'm embarrassed to say that I'm pregnant. The good news is that his probation will be over in a year and he's going to start looking for a job and he's out of rehab and he's still considering marrying me. But since we can't afford to get married now, he's going to just move right in okay, right now, okay? And, um, and she said, I just wanted to let you know. And she let it hang for a minute and then she said, now actually none of that is true. The truth is I got a D on my chemistry exam and I just wanted you to know it could be a lot worse. <laughs> All right. First story, last story. Reframing, reframing. That's what it is. That's what it is. There may be a time that many of us just need to stop life right now, even though there's some bad stuff that goes on in your life, to just say, Thank you, God, that it wasn't worse. Thank you, God, for what did not happen in those lives. Maybe you missed your goal at work. Maybe you missed your target by not getting a bonus. And maybe you feel devastated by that. And maybe you just need to reframe it and say, well, thank you, God, I didn't lose my job. Not focusing constantly on what is wrong, but thank you, God, what is good right there. You may have gotten into a car accident and been, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, that's going to be so expensive. My insurance is going to go through the roof. I mean, now I don't have a car and all this stuff. Instead of saying, wow, I am still alive. Time and time again, it's about reframing, reframing things. Thank God nobody got hurt. In the grand scheme of life, some things are real big deals. But most of the things that kind of get our attention and take us off track tend to be things that we just need to step back every now and then and look with a broader perspective instead of just focus on the negative. We change the frame and say, God, thank you for what did not happen. There are so many good things that I'm not going to let this one category take me off of my game. And I'm going to be encouraged by your will. Thank you, God, that that didn't happen. So that's the first thing. So, so begin to just think of some things that you can thank God didn't happen. Over the last year, I want you to think of one of the worst things that's happened. And one of the, the, the things that have been the biggest stuffs 
in your life and then thank God for what didn't happen. That it could have been this. And this looks bad, but when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, you want to thank God. Okay, so, so that's the first place we need to start. The next thing is we need to practice what we call pre-framing. Pre-framing. And this is deciding how we're going to frame a situation before we even get in that situation. And you say, why does this matter? Because our thoughts, our filters, our frames shape our experience. It shapes where we're going to end up. So if you go in and say, this is another stupid meeting. I hate it. They're just going to blah, 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 blah. We're not going to go anywhere. We're, we're, we're just hemorrhaging, you know, people anyway. Blah, just come on, more nonsense. Doesn't matter what we say anyway. We're gonna get, it's just going to go to what they want to do. And one person will say, okay, you can look at it like that. Or you can say, hey, I got an opportunity to hang out with some people from work. I can go ahead, see how their families are doing, what they're doing. And maybe, maybe in the whole thing, we can, we can have some free expression. Maybe something can get, get done here. Maybe this will be a breakthrough. Again, reframing before we get there to the situation, before we get in the predicament. Um, and so just think you're going to do your best. You're going to be productive regardless. And maybe things will change. It's the way you are. I can tell you in, in, in my life, um, I'll just tell you an example. When, because um, I, I went to, college and the um the sunday after my last exam and some of you may have heard this over the years but um the sunday after my last final i looked at a newspaper for those of you who don't know what a newspaper is it's an internet that is on paper um and in the one ads anybody remember when you had to look for those things before you had uh you know jobs.com and all those other things so you had to look at that and i remember um looking in the one ads and i found this thing uh i was a, a marketing i was a PR, news editorial, a major in college, public relations. And so um, I remember seeing this ad for a marketing and PR rep and I, at a retirement community. Um, and so I said, oh, that sounds cool. So I applied for it. And I was like, yay, you know what? I was applying for it. And here's what happened. I went to the interview, and then they called me back and said, hey, you didn't, you didn't get the job. And I said, okay, that stinks. So uh, the next day, I got a call back from them hey, the person didn't take the job and we'd love for you to come in. I was like, okay, great. So Jack now had exactly what he went to school for. He was doing it. He was making a living. He took his parents out to Red Lobster. Right? <laughs> All right. And um, it was true. Um, and, uh, and did that and, and paid for it. Um, and so uh, did that kind of thing and was excited and was working. And then guess what? Um, a couple months after I was there, um, the manager, the marketing manager, had another job, was having a kid, decided to leave and do kind of their own thing, and they quit. So they said, hey, Jack, can you cover um, both jobs? So Jack is really important now. And it was nonprofit, so it was for the same pay, and I didn't care. Um, so that tells you I was young. Um, so, but here I am. I'm like, oh, wow, now I'm really important. They're going to me. I'm doing this kind of stuff. Go ahead. Just until we hire somebody, okay? And I said, should I apply for that? No, you, you know, you're, you're new. We want you to go ahead and stay here. We want you to go ahead and get, okay, great. We love that you're here, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, um, then, uh, then th somebody else came in and they said, Jack, can you help train her? I said, sure. I trained her to do the job that I was doing, and I went back to my marketing and PR rep. But still, hey, it's cool. I got a job. I'm doing that. And then that day came when I got called in by my vice president, and he said, hey, we are going to corporate downsize. All right? So at this moment, all this went away because here's Jack for the next several months with a college degree, 
no job, having to apply, apply to get some kind of pay and all kinds of stuff. And it was getting worse and worse and worse. And then I went on a couple of different interviews. And it was like, and actually I had one person tell me, well, you're, you're really good, but you're too young. I was like, age discrimination? All right, but anyway, um, so I mean, I'm, I was going through this kind of stuff and it just felt like nothing. Then I took a sales job and I did that. I was selling heat and oil, as they say up north, I'm heat and oil. Um, I did that, and I don't know how I got from this, and, and it's still feeling like it's kind of like this. And in that process, then God started to pull me to, um, to going to ministry, and I was too late in that year, but then God had everything right. And then here we are today with a lot of other things. I can tell you, though, that experience was one of the worst times of my life. I remember coming home, and my parents were like, what are you home for? And I, I couldn't even get it out. I was weeping so much because I was getting married in, in a, a few months, and I was just, it was, it was gut-wrenching. Because what I had seen was this. I got a job. This is the beginning of something. I'm going to continue to be here. They always said, hey, people stay here for years, okay? And within a year, I was gone because of corporate downsides. Didn't fit into my frame anymore. But the up and down parts of the frame eventually brought me to a place where God wanted me. And now when somebody tells me they lost their job, I can understand it. And I can also say, hey, let me tell you. There's something that's going to be better. God's got something better for your life. You know, um, and, and I was just talking with someone today at the beginning of church about how they went through some of this. Some of you may have gone through this where you lost your job and you were shocked and it was dark, dark days. It was, it was like, my gosh, I got a family. What am I going to do? And now you look back and you say, wow, God knew what he was doing, right? And we see that time and time and time again. And because of my experience there, I can understand what people um, go through, but it also prepared me to do things uh, in a different way, it prepared me for some leadership things. It, it uh, helped me begin to walk in the power of God and recognize that God has a different plan for my life, and I can be completely confident in him. And I can take his word that, uh, that God says, I have plans for you to prosper and not to harm you. You see, the frame was, my gosh, I'm harmed. And it even had, it even had um, a, a church uh, denomination in the logo, in the name of it. How could they do that to me, right? But God said, no, no, Jack, I have plans not to harm you, but for, to prosper you. And boy, did God come through, okay? And that's, that's what we see time and time again, that, that God, when we preframe, God takes whatever shortcoming we have, and we can learn from it. We can uh, preframe it, and God, uh, and believe that God can do more than, exceedingly more than we can do or think. And that's his word. That's the truth. That puts us on the correct neural pathway um, when we see those things, okay? So, um, so what's the rundown? Okay, so you can, thank, uh, you can thank God for what did not happen. You can preframe a situation. Number three, you can look for the goodness of God. You can look for the goodness of God. Why? Because I'm gonna promise you something. You will always find what you're looking for. You will always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for good, you'll find good. If you're looking for bad and negative, you will find bad and negative. If you want to see what's wrong in every single day, you will find it because there's plenty out there. If you want to see why you don't like people, people will give you ample opportunities to find out why you don't like them. If you decide to look to see the best in people, 
Even the worst people will give you a glimpse of seeing something good in them. Okay? What I'm saying is you find what you look for. I have one of the discussions I've had for years is which version of the Bible is right. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Greek and Hebrew. There you go. All right, you want to know? There it is, Greek and Hebrew. Sorry if I stepped on your King James, but guess what? It is Greek and Hebrew because that's the original language it was written in. Anything else in any translation is going to be off by some deal. But I have had exhausting conversations with people who want to prove that one version of the Bible is right, and they will go ahead and they will just exhaust me and they will find everything in the world. And I go, I've reached a point where I say, I don't care. Because here's, I don't think I'm going to get to heaven. I do think I'm going to go to heaven, but I don't think I'm going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to go, Jack, you were using that NIV and message thing. Sorry, go to hell. Sorry, I don't think that's going to happen. There's a long list of other things besides me reading what version somebody thinks is right. And this happens time and time and time again. And these are the wrong frames that we put in our lives. God doesn't care about that. I think God cares more about the fact that many people aren't reading anything and are busting hell wide open. Like, they just scared each other right there, all right? <laughs> Our frames, those things are just not important. Do we think that, that Peter carried around a pipe organ with him? Or drums and guitars? No. What does the scripture say? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know what that means? That means if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, blast it out. Sorry about the people around you. But somebody told, me, told you you couldn't sing. And somebody told you that when you worship, you have to keep yourself still and solemn. But clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. It sounds, you know... From what scripture says, the truth of God sounds a heck of a lot more of what we do on Sunday afternoons than what we do in Sunday mornings. Meaning at football games and things. Our frame is off when it comes to the gospel of God. And so, um, here we go. So we look for the goodness of God because we find what we are looking for. It's the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. What does a vulture do? Flies around all day looking for dead stuff. Road kill. Looking to grab dead things that are carcass. What does a hummingbird do? <laughs> Looks all day. Something sweet, something sweet, sweet, right? Hummingbird is not going to go, oh, look, dead carcass. You know? And you're not going to go out in your hummingbird feeder and see a big vulture going, you know? You know why? Because they ain't looking for that. We find what we are looking for, and I promise you, you will find what you're looking for. If you want to see what's wrong, what's bad, what's not working, what's wrong in the world, and, then, and you want to live a really depressed life, you will find it. Instead, if you want to look for where God is working, you can say, he, regardless of this stuff, he's still on the throne, he's good, he's still powerful, and he still answers prayer. It's called cognitive reframing. Empowering you to decide the meaning of an event you decide. So let's take it up a level. Let's say we don't decide. What about if God decides? What about if we let Jesus decide whatever happens? Like, for instance, I've had a billion of these conversations 
I've been one of the leads in a lot of these conversations. This last year was the worst year ever. There is a heaviness and a sense of almost hopelessness and despair when we say that. Like we're passively just sitting there watching what's going on, okay? And I've had those thoughts. We, we don't even know how the church can fully recover. Uh, you know, they're saying four churches, four out of every ten churches that shut down during quarantine may never open again. Um, churches are nowhere near the capacities that they were for a number of different reasons. And so let me give you a little bit of my version of this. You know, remember this time last year, quarantine? Which was fun for the first couple of days. After a couple of weeks, you were like, mm. right? Then the church shut down, and then there's this massive fear of what do you do when you can't meet? How do you navigate through that for almost three months or so? Then there was the big question. If you reopen, you're dangerous. If you don't reopen, you don't have enough faith. And then there's the whole mask thing. If you wear a mask, you're a flaming liberal controlled by the government. If you don't wear a mask, you're a, a rebel and you are the most dangerous person walking the face of the earth. And we're talking about Christians having hatred for other Christians because of a mask. Let's not forget the growing and exploding awareness of racial tension, which even with the purest of intentions of trying to love people, I don't think we really got it right or even close to getting it right. Then do you know there's a political divide? All right, just checking. Then there's personal stuff. A lot of loss this year. Loss of parents, loss of relationships, loss of a, a child, that, a, a home that we, we looked at from our childhood as the home as we went around to Parsonages. That was our home. Um, went to that there. Um, interpersonal, loss of, loss of the skill of interpersonal communication and interaction. And you just miss like, knowing what to do when you see somebody? Like, do you? Right? You feel like you're doing the chicken dance. And you're, no, 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 no. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's, I just miss that. Um, and so here we find ourselves in the middle of a very difficult situation, looking at what's going on, and we say, wow, this was the worst year ever. And then I decided to look back to some of my pictures on my phone. And I didn't see a lot of that bad stuff. And I'm going to share with you some of these pictures. First, let's start with the church right up here. Um, go ahead. We were able, we were wondering before all this stuff how we were going to shut down the church enough to get time to go ahead and flip the church. And guess what? We didn't have to worry about that. And it's still done in a week. All right, Keith led that. There's Bill. Um, you know, uh, there's Danny. I mean, there, and th this was like all the work. This is what's underneath here. Okay, so that, that happened. And so we were able to go ahead and do that. Let's look at the next one. Then we added a whole bunch of new Stephen ministers in the midst of this kind of thing, right? We added some Stephen, new Stephen ministers that were here. Um, then we continued. We even continued to support Haiti, even though we had uh, some issues for a while getting finances there. We were able to do that. And just to let you know, that's how many little kids are in the school. I think when we first started to help them, they had like three. And you can see all the, that's just a little bit of those little kids down there in the buildings that we built. All right? And, and 
if eating. You can see the food that is here uh, in the community for the gifts and stuff that we give to that community still in the midst of this. Our, uh, even in the midst of being shut down, our uh, Sunday school did a couple things. We had, a, uh, we had a, our, um, our trunk or treat right here. Here we go. Here's our trunk or treat right there. Um, and then um, before the trunk or treat, we had a, uh, a social distance movie night outside. Remember this? Before they started building a building there. There we go. There it is right there. Um, Kate and them put that together there. And we've continued on that even, even yesterday, um, people were building a ramp in the community and doing several things there. So you can see that happening. Uh, thanks to Dave and the people who, who led and participated in that. Um, we have given to Miriam's table twice over the last year in amazing ways. We, when we started, that's when we handed out the bread banks and then psh, um, this, but you still gave. We, have, we gave to Operation Christmas Child again and met the needs there. Um, we had uh, Chris Locke come and share a, when we did our thing on mental illness, and he shared about Unlock the Light and Sean's house, which opened briefly, and we were able to give finances and to help them, and he was overwhelmed by your giving that day. We ended up having a baptism outside, remember, right here, and several of us were there. We, we uh, met Thanksgiving dinners when nobody else was doing it. We continue to do that. And recently, we were able to have Easter here, right? We were able to have Easter in the church. We forgot. Last year, we didn't have that. Hey, we were able to do that. It's all the worst year ever. What about personally? Personally, we were able to have our middle daughter graduate. There you go. There she is. There's Rachel. And we were able to go to this weird kind of graduation. But it went, and it was fun. And we even had that, like, uh, some people gather outside to welcome her. Um, our oldest daughter got engaged right here. There they are. I, I built a chicken run right there. That's big stuff for me. I mean, Dave, don't get, Dave and Keith don't get too excited, but, you know. I mean, well, I don't know if this is a blessing or a curse. We had an addition to our family of these two mutts right here. Yeah, they were a lot cuter then. All right, just to let you know. Um, I got to go back to the gym and work out in all my glory. Here we go. We got to celebrate Christmas as a family. Um, Hannah turned 16, so I got another driver and got to pay more car insurance. Thanks to online school, I am now TikTok famous because I had somebody drop into my, my class, and it was awesome, and there's like thousands upon thousands of people who... Uh, Who's to say I'm there? All right. So I got infamous, I guess I would say. All right. Um, last week, I was able to have a 70s birthday party for my 50th birthday party. There we go. I don't know who that guy is there with the hair. Um, <laughs> but I love it. All right. And even though I lost some of the most important people in my life, we were able to honor their lives with thousands of people all over the world watching them, and I have a little shrine for them, which kind of weirds some people out, but I have it, all right? When I look at those pictures, I can easily say it was the worst year of our lives. And I'm just only showing you a little bit of stuff and some of the stuff that we went through. In between each of those joyous pictures and things, there's, there's also surrounding a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And if I want to, I can be completely focused on that. 
and everything my life does will direct me to that area. But I'm working on choosing to do something different. I'm working on reframing my mind. I'm not always successful at it because I've been going down some of these pathways for 50 years. And they ain't fun pathways. But actually, as I look past through all the challenges of last year, I have seen so many blessings when I begin to reframe it. Look at a church that supposedly closed down, but certainly did a lot more than anyone thought we could do or have. Masks are still an issue, and stats say some will never return to churches or whatever. But somehow in the middle of that, I've found something here. That my God is faithful and has brought us through this last year, and he's going to bring us through so much more. You see, it's reframing. If God is working all things for good, then it's time to reject those unhealthy thoughts. It's time to do away with those frames that tell you you can't, you won't, you're nothing, you're a failure, and you're not smart, you're not good enough. And those are pathways that we've gone down year after year, and, and we start to see the picture a little bit differently. But we're going to reframe it. We're not going to passively receive circumstances, but we're going to actively interpret by pre-framing, God, this is what you want us to do. We're not interpreting the goodness of God through circumstances. See, that's what we do. We interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances rather than allowing our circumstances to be interpreted by the goodness of God. And that's what changes the outlook of all things. Because just as the Apostle Paul, everything that's happened to me over the last year, everything has actually served to advance the gospel. And these chains that I've been put in, hopefully all the guard will end up knowing everyone there will know that I am in chains. And what I have done and what I have dealt with and what I continue to deal with is all I am there for the sake of Christ. And what he wants to do with it, it's going to be good. Because God works all things out for the sake of himself and for the good of those who love him. And we're, um, we need to stop. I need to stop being transformed, um, conformed by the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind, by reframing and putting a new filter in there. And guess what? Just as I said the last couple of weeks, and when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Amen? Amen? All right. So good stuff. All right, everybody. Let's pray. Lord God, I just uh, want to thank you today that, um, that your love is amazing. Your, uh, your guidance through um, all things. I'm sure as the disciples sat out on that boat so many years ago, and you were in the boat, and they, uh, they thought it was going to be smooth sailing, and you went and took a nap. And they got their eyes, their filter, their frame was focused on the storm. God, I know that right now in our lives, there are some of us here right now who are, uh, are seeing the storms. We're, we're, our frame is focused on the clouds. It's focused on those areas where we're faulty. 
those areas where, um, where our brokenness is. Those areas where over the last year it's been the worst this and the worst that and the worst everything. But ultimately, God, we need to trust in your word that you are working all things for your good. That maybe like the Apostle Paul, we can look at, uh, at our chains as not being something that are binding, but something that is really making others a prisoner to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe, Lord, maybe this whole thing with COVID is not for us to put up a filter to complain and, and be frustrated, but maybe it's a chain that we can tell people, hey, I know, I know that this, uh, this is not fun, but uh, you know what? Uh, God's in control. And uh, let me tell you about him who, uh, who un- unmasked, where I don't have to be masked around him. I don't have to hide my depression. I don't have to hide my addiction. I don't have to hide my frustration that I can go to him and, and make a choice to think a different way and, and to trust in him and recognize that truth in Jesus is the, the thing that matters. And that can give me fullness of life. And I believe that regardless of what the circumstances are. Don't look for the, somebody says, I, I don't see God in this world. And then this, well, it's not the circumstances that determine the goodness of God. God is good all the time. And the goodness of God determines how we're going to approach our circumstances. So God, I ask that right now we just reframe our minds for whatever we are facing. We pre-frame it. We've got a a world that's not going to be so nice out here. But God, we're going to expect that. But more importantly, we're going to say, hey, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So Father, in the remaining times that we have together, we sang word of God speak. I pray that you will just speak to us here today. In the, in the, wherever we are, whatever place we are in in life. Some of us are walking down those old pathways that just keep lying to us and keep us in the strongholds. Today, God, I pray that just as we talked about the last couple of weeks, that we'll know what that strong, what one stronghold is and that we will find the truth of God's word that can demolish it and begin steps toward the transforming of our minds. So, Lord, during this time, if someone doesn't know you, the greatest gift of all they can do is transform their mind to saying, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore on my own. I'm going to trust in Jesus. Just by saying, Jesus, hey, I I messed up. I missed the mark. If I need to, I'll say I'm a sinner. Guess what? Welcome with everybody else. And I need a Savior, and you're it. So, God, here I am. Take this life. Do something with it. For the rest of us, it just feels like off-kilter, Help us just get back on the track and get focused on what Christ would call us to do and to be. And reframe those areas of our lives that have, that have created strongholds so we can see things a new way. Because as the scripture says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, what the Father has prepared for those who love him. God, that's good stuff. And it's truth. And we need to hear it here today. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's stand and let's sing this last song.
I'm not afraid.
Amen. Keep, uh, make sure you keep Justin in your prayers. Also, Hawk is, um, is uh, doing a lot of traveling mercies because he's um, helped moving his uh, grandparents-in-law, right, down to this area, and he's making lots and lots of travels. Just continue to pray for everybody who has stuff because you guys, but you leave here, your stuff's still there. Reframe it. Reframe it. All right? Have a great week. Next week, we're going to talk about the anxious mind, anxiety. All right? So I'll see you next week.